Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. For your faithfulness in our lives, I thank you for a refuge. I thank you for a place of hiding, a place of strength, a place of revitalizing and nourishing our hearts and our souls and our lives so that we can replenish all the things that this world strips us from, Lord. The cares of this life choke our desire and passion for living. But when we come into the house of God, we are replenished, we're renewed in our hope, we're steadfast in the strength that you give us through your grace and presence. We give you thanks for each member of the body of Christ and what they supply uh, through their gifting, their talents, the things you have provided them. We pray that they would increase and prosper so that your work would also prosper and increase and this entire city would come to the refuge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That this entire city would find a place of rest and forgiveness of sins. Father, we pray that you'd start a revival in our day as we continue to pursue your heart. Now we pray, Father God, that we could understand your word. Give us understanding. Give us grace to receive and welcome your word in our hearts that we might live the life that you intended. For man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And we pray that you prosper your word in our hearts and our lives, our families, our church, and all those that are watching on live stream, that you bless them. We pray that you take care of our missionaries in Nicaragua, Lord, as they have gone out for these last seven days to impact that country, Lord, guard their health and make their provisions abundant. We give you thanks for the harvest that will come as a result of their work in the mission field. We pray that this word, Father God, will advance us and strengthen us in the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Years ago, the Lord gave us the opportunity to pursue what is the heart of God for the world. Um, if you ask yourself, what is... What is the strength of, of people upon the earth? It's the church. Uh, a lot of people don't understand the significance of the church. But the, the church is said in the Bible to be God's game plan for the end of time. And it was already announced from the beginning that God would make provision for all men to attain eternity. And it's through the church that men are able to find God and to come into salvation. Without the church, there is no salvation because there's no one to preach and proclaim the good news. And so the church is a vital aspect of man's life upon the earth. And so because we understand this and the church has become in many places a reproach, an embarrassment. The church has lost its vision. The biggest scandals on the earth are the highlight of the evening newscast when they say a pastor and they keep on, they tell the horrible things that happen at church. So people say, I'm not going there. 
But the truth is that our heart is in the church, and we wrote a book about this some years ago, 2007. It's called Restoring the Gates That Prevail. And this, this whole book is about addressing 10 aspects of the church that are vitally important. Um, it was an invitation to the church 30 years ago that rescued my family from going through a divorce. And my mom came, and she, she came with my sister, and they gave their hearts to the Lord. And then we came and gave our hearts to the Lord at the church. And then my dad was, was one of the last ones. He came about six months later, and he gave his heart to the Lord after sitting at the back. He was at the back of the church, like, really angry, like, what are these people doing with my family? And then one day he came all the way up front, and he knelt down and received Jesus Christ as Lord. And, and so my heart is, I love the church. To me, with everything that goes on in the church, I can't overlook that the church is my lifeline to everything God wants to give me. And so we wrote a book in that regards, and I asked the Lord, it was our first book. I asked the Lord, give us a blueprint to be able to describe how we should build. And in that, in that direction, um, he, he led me to Nehemiah chapter 3. In the Old Testament where Nehemiah had come back to Jerusalem and saw it was in shambles. It was destroyed. Everything was out of order. The word is ruins. It was left to, to, to be just a junkyard. And Nehemiah came back and he says, listen, let's begin to rebuild the walls. Let's re begin to rebuild the gates. And he began to rebuild Jerusalem, which is an Old Testament shadow and type of the church. And so I grabbed that chapter... Um, we could go ahead and, and start the PowerPoint. I believe the first picture there is the book, Restoring the Gates That Prevail. This, this book is not without controversy. Um, the devil doesn't want man to know God's game plan. And so he's, he's making it very twisted. But um, ever since we wrote this book, uh, it's been helping pastors all over the world. We've, we've translated it into English. German, Spanish, and Portuguese. And we want to put it into the hands of every pastor we know. It's not a popular book. It's not a, it's not a, a mystery novel. But it's a book that will help a pastor come back to the place to understand what church is all about. So the next slide shows the content of the book, which is the 10 gates that surround. It's a, that's what the city of Jerusalem used to look like in the times of Nehemiah. We called it the ancient city of Jerusalem. And it makes for an awkward design for a city. But if you notice surrounding the city, there are entryways into the city. And there are ten gates. And so the Bible says they began to build at the northwest corner of Jerusalem called the Sheep Gate. And every entry to the city had a name. And every name has significance. And so um, he started building and it says and we came together as families to build the city of God and they started with something called the sheep gate and then they built the fish gate was the second one to uh, I believe is to your left and um, so the fish gate was the next one they built and they were restoring the walls in between the gates 
And one of the things about cities in those times is if you didn't have a wall surrounding your city, anybody could come in and take what you had. So we need walls to separate good from bad. And that, that a lot of people, they don't believe in their, the necessity of a distinction. Um, Jesus says, I am the, the door and whoever doesn't come in through me is a thief. Whoever doesn't acknowledge my presence means no good. And in a lot of families, it's the husband, the father that needs to sit as, as, the, as the door of the house. So when they, when they knock on the door, the dad comes out and says, how can I help you? Why the father? Because he has his most precious treasure inside his house. He has his wife. He has his daughters. He has his children. And so a lot of families don't have a man standing at the door. And, and for generations, they haven't had somebody to faithfully, with character, answer the call. Uh, if you go to that particular passage uh, in the Bible, it says, I'm the door. The, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And let's go ahead and read that. I think it's John chapter 10, verse 9. Um, in the passage there, I know I'm causing a ruckus here for the PowerPoint and the change back to the computer, but, but in that passage, he says, I'm the door. Whoever doesn't come through the door is a thief and a robber. And, and so that acknowledges the presence. And each one of these gates is to keep thieves out, to keep the elements that destroy um, in, in other words, there, the sheep gate was important for the sheep to come in and the goats to, if you're a goat, you don't belong in the city because a goat comes in and the history, uh, Chris Reyes went to Israel a couple of years ago with his parents and he brought me back a book. It was a history of Israel and I opened it up to the first chapters and it says the destruction of the black goats. And he starts saying how when the goats came into the Middle East, they destroyed all the landscaping. They ate all the trees, all the fruits, and they ate the roots. So a goat is not into cultivating and into harvesting. A goat is into destroying and to, to bring things to nothing. So everywhere the goats got access to, it's called the ruins of, the ruins of, and all they leave in there, in, after they've been there, that's why there's no goats in heaven, he says he separates the sheep from the goat. And so uh, you don't want to be a goat. You don't want to be rebellious. You don't want to walk contrary to God. Because all it does is it destroys uh, what God has uh, in that regard. So here it is, the sheep gate. We'll just go on uh, well, cause, because the PowerPoint can't shift over to the computer. But let's go to this. The second one is the fish gate. Uh, let's go back to the, the city there. Okay. The fish gate is the uh, second, it's the sheep gate, then the fish gate. Um, talking about this is not, I'm glad you're a sheep. I'm glad you're being taken care of. I'm glad you have a place and a refuge called the house of God. But God wants to save the world. His heart is for the lost. And the highest value and price God has given, that's to change it? Good. I've never used this. Um, the highest, if you're going to say you're going to save, you're going to save money because you're going to buy something. Usually kids do that. I'm saving up, mom, because I want to, uh, they, they have this big thing they want to buy. This is the purchase price of the salvation of men. 
the Son of God, his blood on the cross paid for sinners' salvation. So God is really into lost people. And some of us are not. We're like, so when we were young and we didn't know the Lord, go to hell. So go to hell. And you're, you get out of my life. And I don't want to. But see, listen, God's not into sending people to hell. God is to, into doing everything possible that no one, listen to that word, no one would be lost. And you would be super surprised how God has moved to save lost men. People that are sinister and wicked and depraved and degenerate and, and total, ah, that you could even say yuck, the stench of sin. Um, the illustration of Lazarus, four days dead. Don't go with there, Lord. That guy smells bad. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I come for this purpose. Remove the stone. I'm going in and he's coming back. And so that is the heart of God for the lost. And, um, and so the fish gate is that illustration in that chapter. And then verse, uh, the chapter 3 is on the old gate. The old gate, uh, some people say, well, if you're building a new city and if you're restoring everything, why put an old gate? Yesterday, we filled an entire garbage tank of all the old stuff in this church. You go back there today, it's a mound of everything old. Out with the old, in with the new. And uh, I'm still old school, so I'm saying if it's not broke, why get rid of it? That's, that's my mentality. So people throw things in the trash and I go, I'll bring it back. <laughs> like, you know, and, but God is into the old gate. Why? Because there's certain things that are to never to change. Now, we, we like to get a new wife, a new husband, a new family, uh, a new career. But God, God has certain things that are so sacred, he never throws away. And watch this. One of them is the word of God. He says like this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. See, there are so many churches today that are saying, we don't need the Bible anymore. It's old. We don't need to preach the Bible. We got a new gospel. We got new theories. We got psychologists. We got counselors. Listen to me. That is not the way to go. That will destroy the church. There are principles like the word will never pass away. There are principles like the word honor. Honor never gets old. In fact, the day that you stop moving in understanding honor, you are lost. You are stripped. You are in a city without walls. When you throw away honor, I don't have to honor, because honor your mother and father so everything goes well with you and you'll live a long life. Some people say, well, I only have to honor my parents till I'm 18. Then when I'm 18, I'll do whatever I want. No, no, God wants you. Jesus Christ was 30 when he says, I only do what the father tells me to do. I only speak what the father tells me to speak. I've come to live to always please the Father. And he's 30 years old. And so that principle of honor is one of the aspects of the old gate that we're never supposed to dispose of. There's another thing called covenant. It's when a man and a woman come together before God and they say, God, this is for ever. And so co covenant, there is honor, 
there is uh, the word of God. There is, there's principles that, that uh, are powerful. Purity, for example. Purity is, is, is an eternal character attribute of God. And I, I have come to learn that purity is like taking a shower. How many like to take showers? Love. Some of you don't, but okay. <laughs> Listen to me. That washing, that cleansing, I tell the young people all the time, your strength is in the power of your purity. When you start giving away your purity, you're just going to come to nothing. You're a city without walls. You're going to be plundered on every side. But purity is one of those concepts that is renewed at the old gate. And the church needs to thrive in these matters. In other words, we must be experts in the sheep gate. We have to know what a sheep looks like and what a goat looks like. Because there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. And so sometimes we'll go and we'll lift up your lip. And if we see a huge canine there, we know you're not a sheep. Because sheep don't have canine. They don't have the big predator uh, teeth. Uh, so that we have Omar. Omar, you could check that out for us. We'll, on the way out today, we'll have him check. So keep the wolves out. But the wolves want to devour the sheep. The sheep want to, to be safe. They want to be secure. They want to be provided for. Okay, so the next, the next gate there is the valley gate, which is in the middle on the right side here, on the left side. The valley gate talking about suffering uh some of us freak out how many how many when you start feeling like it hurts you're like ah! you're you know what's going on listen to me suffering is part of god's perp um uh what's it is part of god's design in producing character he starts pressing on you in different serious issues so we have james chapter 1 verse 3 where it says, count it all joy when you go through trials. You're like, joy? Joy with this type of suffering? I don't understand. Well, the valley gate is a place of understanding how suffering comes to produce a diamond. It's, it's the hard things in life where you, you're like, man, this really is no good. This really hurts. That is producing perfection. That is preparing you for what's coming. Uh, Joseph understood this in Joseph's Genesis chapter 45, verse 8, where he says, look, my entire life of suffering was all God so that I can be this perfect diamond. Everything that I've gone through, the disloyalty, the hurt, the resentment, the bitterness, all made me a stronger person, a better person, a faithful person. So he says, now I can show the biggest man how to live life. Now I could show anybody um, and so the, the Valley Gate is, is a valley of suffering. At my Florida Bar Convention um, this week, I met a guy named Eric from New Jersey. And he's a security guard at the resort. And I went up to him and talked to him. He goes, Pastor, you don't understand. When I was 13 years old, my father died. And that was a huge loss. But that wasn't as big as my mom taking us to a foster home, all five brothers, and she gave us to the New Jersey foster, what, the cases or whatever they do there. And he says, me and my brother were 13 and 12, but the younger ones that were 2, 6, and 8, they got adopted very quick. Families came in and they took all the babies, all the small boys and girls, and they left me and my brother to live the next 
from 13 to 18 is five years. The next five years in the foster homes in New Jersey are like living in the pit of hell, being molested, being beat up, being abused, uh, being mistreated. He says, I have seen human nature at its worst. I have seen. And, and so he has a, a framework. And then he says like this. He says, so I got out of there and gangs and, and, and my life has been a nightmare. And I never forgave my mom for, for signing us away into the foster system. And, and I said, everything that's ever happened to you is with purpose. God will turn that around in a mighty way. And he'll take you from that pit to being a prince. You could, you could do big things with that, that history. You know stuff. So that valley gate speaks on suffering. The next one is the refuse gate or the dung gate, which means the same thing. It means uh, 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 fecal matter, uh, that which goes down the plumbing, the outhouse, the crap. Uh, and he, that, that door is very interesting because you're taking the trash out of your life. And again, let's, let's review this where we are experts in the work of God upon the earth to take care of God's people, to go for the lost, the fish gate, to hold down the timeless truth of all time. Um, then we have the valley gate of suffering, and then we have the refuge gate as a trash. Uh, we continue to go around, then comes the fountain gate, then the water gate, then the horse gate, then the east gate, then the inspection gate. All these have significance. It's a roadmap. It's a blueprint. Now, going to, uh, a lot of people don't understand why it's necessary for you to be a, a genuine sheep of the Lord um, with respect to the house of God. Um, this illustration is so powerful. We're going to go to the next slide here where it says the sheep gate. I think the next one lists all the gates. I have this tool here. Let me see. There it is. Okay, I'm on it. The sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate, the valley gate, the refuge gate, the fountain gate, the water gate, the horse gate, the east gate, and the inspection gate. The first gate, the main focus, taking care of God's people. People have told me for many years, why do you tell people not to come back to church. My responsibility, bless you, as a pastor is to take care of God's sheep. He's called us pastors or shepherds. And when there's danger in the flock, you, I, I told one man, he came years ago and he started asking people for money. Hey, could, you, could I borrow 5,000? Yeah, yeah, I'll pay you back. Hey, could I borrow 5000 When he was about $15,000 in the pot, I called him over. I said, listen, it seems to me you're ripping him off. You're ripping him off. You're ripping him off. That sounds to me like you're a wolf. How many does it sound like he's ripping people off? He's not paying them back. I said, I'm going to put you in quarantine here. That means I'm going to separate you a little bit from all the sheep just to keep. If you ask one more person, for a $5,000 loan, I'm going to know you're a goat and I'm going to kick you out of here. And it, it, not even seven days went by. And he went and asked another person for a $5,000 loan. 
So we don't think that that happens, but things like that happen in the house of God. And it's our responsibility to tell people, listen, this is the line. If you go past this, you're either a goat or you're a rebellious sheep, either or. And we're going to see the problem with, with rebellion in the sheep. But we don't want to be rebellious, and we definitely don't want to be goats. We want to, when, when the Lord calls, when the Spirit of God speaks into our life, I love to see people respond to godly counsel. You tell them, you know, this is what I see in the Word of God. This is what the elders are saying. This is our experience. This is what the Spirit of God has shown us. And, and it's that way. And they go, bah. And they go, okay, I'm going in God's direction. I'm not going to lose my connection with Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd. But when you see that you tell somebody about God's heart and about direction and you're feeding and nourishing them, and they go, bye, bye, and they go the opposite direction, you know, it's going to be a time of serious issues. And people don't understand the, the, the understanding that the sheep gate, our responsibility, primary, put it like this, one finger, primary responsibility in the house of God is take care of his sheep. So that's, that's what we're here for. And this is a safe place. It's a refuge. It's, it's, it's a place of protection, provision. And, and I love to see happy sheep. And they got smiles like, ah. Um, and they're just having a good time enjoying life. But then here's what happens sometimes. Vision is obstructed and our walk is affected when we start living a little bit separated from the shepherd. Because the shepherd, he, he likes to shear. He, he'll go and cut stuff out of your life. He says, no, no, this is going to not be good. Is it? And so he'll be, and if you don't like, I remember when we were young, when we were five, six, seven years old, and our parents used to cut our hair. So when it was that time of the month, man, we were hiding. Me and Jules were like lost in the woods and under a tree, like saying, no, we don't want to go to mom. She's going to cut our hair again. So that's, that is not healthy, first of all. And, and second of all, it doesn't make for good looks. But this is a guy who is starting to borderline lose his vision because part of yourself starts growing in front of your eyes, right? You're all into yourself. You're like, what do I think? What do I know? What, me, myself, and I. And so your walk is affected because when you're all into yourself, you're trampling people you don't see. And, and there are little girls here that are looking at you. They're 10, 11 years old. They want to see that you honor dad, that you walk in respect, that you, you receive instruction. Um, and then you get a little bit more hairy. Now, this guy has been running from the shepherd for a while. He's a rebel. And difficult to be able to capture this guy. And you could tell his mindset is, no one's going to get their hands on me. Now, these first two guys are just into the beginning of their rebellion and their, they don't understand the importance of a pastor. Why is a pastor always wanting, oh, and he's always, and, and they don't understand that if pastor doesn't do his job before the Lord, this is a sheep in New Zealand that got lost for six years. He was hiding in the caves and nobody was able to get a hold of him. This is what we call sheep gone wild <laughs> without a shepherd. It gets to the point with these sheep that sometimes they're crossing a river and their wool gets so wet that they fall to the ground and they die. They eat so much of what they're not supposed to eat and they just roll over and, and they, nobody could help them. 
And so they named this sheep, you guys are going to laugh, when they actually found him six years lost in a cave. You can tell he doesn't see a thing. Look. He doesn't see anything because all his wool has, he's all into himself. He doesn't understand. Thank God. Listen to me. Thank God the shepherd went up into the cave and brought him back down. And so um, they named him Shrek. And this is, this is a little video clip of Shrek uh, getting shorn. Watch this. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the wrong one, huh? Let's, let's, let's do the first one first. Yeah. There he goes. Shrek is gone, but he's not forgotten. Seven years ago, the big ball of wool was found. He hadn't been sheared for six years. So the Kiwis, looking to make some television history, sheared him live on the telly. More than three bags full there. A book about Shrek was written, and it stopped the school from closing. A naked, naked Shrek. Here's to Shrek. Okay, one of the, the processes of, of backing away from being able to have access to your life is every time the shepherd comes near you, your reaction to the shepherd's care. And now we're going to see what it was as he was growing up before he got lost. Let's go ahead and watch this part. Look at his attitude. Those are the associate pastors. They're trying to help the pastor shepherd the sheep, and he's not having it. Look at the attitude. Who, me? Get away from me. I said, get away from me. I demand you get away from me. Boop. Head and everything. That's enough. So you guys saw the defiance in those sheep. And they get pretty nasty when they lose that understanding. Um, revisit, since you're in the house of God today, revisit your disposition. I, I really think that God has great plans for where he's leading you and where he's speaking into your life and the Holy Spirit that he's poured out in our lives. And, and we can't resist the hand of our God, of our Lord. And just say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm here. And I want to be not only a sheep, I want to be a good sheep. And the Bible says, uh, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You have a distinction to know God. You have a person that's always saying, well, I don't know God. God never speaks to me. I don't know. Listen to me. God speaks, and he speaks super clear and super detailed. And you couldn't even sleep if, if you didn't listen to God. You would you lose your peace. So tell God, I, I, want to, I don't want to be like Shrek. And we're going to have some anti-Shrek teachers made, uh, some posters and 
bumper stickers, and, and some people say, I don't need a pastor. <laughs> Good luck, buddy, because you're not getting that stuff out of your life without a pastor who loves you enough to sit there and, and pull out, listen, 60 pounds of wool on this sheep's life. You may carrying that weight around the whole time and, and being lost up there in the clouds, I mean in the caves. Um, but it was powerful to see him set free from himself, right? Like the prodigal son, I'm done with myself. I wasn't, that wasn't gonna be good. Um, the next slide that I have up here, I hope, You guys reset it? Oh, there it is. Let's go back. Let's go back. Can we go back or no? This is all technology. That's one of the things that they said in this, uh, this aspect for the lawyers is that if we don't learn this language with technology and, and being able to understand we're, we're not going to be able to communicate with the next generation because that's the only way they know how to communicate. The second uh, gate, the fish gate. Um, right now we have a team of missionaries in Nicaragua, uh, 12 with Pastor Kenny, and uh, they're doing skits and they're doing theater and they're visiting the schools and they, they had a huge event at the central park of the city and it was an outreach to bring people to the Lord. I don't understand how some Christians do not feel a burden for the person right next to them that doesn't know God. And so we need to be those that are reaching the lost. And, and not, only in a, not only in a weak manner. Uh, one day we were shipwrecked off of the coast of Miami on a boat. It was my family. The boys were very young. We were on, on a boat. And it was Jose Medieros and his wife and his daughter. And we were out there for like about an hour just drifting. And nobody would stop and help us. And all of a sudden from far away, a, a gentleman came with a big boat. And he says, hey, what's going on? You guys stuck? He goes, yeah, we're stuck, man. We're so appreciative you paid attention. We're so appreciative you care. You, we're so, we, we can't believe that you actually took the time out to come and, and pull us in. And he goes like this. Oh, it's 2.30. I got to pick up my kids from school. See you later. And he left. And we we're like, jerk. <laughs> what? How is it that you having the goods do not transfer them because you're busy, because you're, you're, you're in another schedule or whatnot? We cannot do that. So here's what some people look like in, in that regards. They don't have direction. They don't have even uh, an understanding for life's direction and purposes. We need to be able to, to truly have the spirit of God on us to be able to fish for men. Uh, that's one of the things that we need to love what God loves. And he loves the souls of men. And we cannot be losing them. We need to be reaching the lost and giving them the information. Um, however, you know, we, we made a card for the church that says a special invitation and uh, there's, there, I, I spend my whole life giving these things out um, for people to be able to, to come to our church. And it says, made for you with a special invitation. And so all you got to do, you, you, and it's not, listen, 
We're, we, we, we love our church and we're, we're doing fine. We could live forever in our little capsule to eternity and everything. But there's a lot of people out there that just need a, hey, I want, I, I just, I want to share what I have that's good and I invite you to my church. I, I, you know, let's have coffee. Let's sit down and, and spend some time together. We have to do that. Minimal, minimal once a week. In our long 168 hours, dedicate some time to reaching out to somebody. And so, especially your friends and family, um, I was just talking to a friend I haven't talked to in a good 30 years. Imagine that. He met me on, he, he wrote me on Facebook, and he says, hey, Joaquin, is this you? And I send him back, yeah, it's me. And uh, his name is Greg, and he lived down the street where I was growing up in, in Titusville, here in Florida. And um, so we became best friends and went to school, I think, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. And then, uh, you know, you talked for the first time in, in 30 years, and it was like we carried on the same normal conversation that you would with a best friend growing up. And I said, hey, Greg, there was a guy in Titusville that was one of the most amazing world changers of all time. Now that I'm a Christian, I know that there was a preacher named Peter Lord, and he lived in Titusville. And we lived in Titusville for five years, and we never went to listen to that guy preach. And Greg tells me, I know, he was my pastor. He was awesome. I said, Greg, I was your friend the whole time. Why didn't you ever invite me? I mean, it's, it's a lot of pressure to put on an 8, 9, and 10-year-old, but, but the life changing reality that would have happened if in Titusville our family would have gone and he says man that guy was the real deal I go I know I I'm, now I know him he's, he's a super incredible preacher um, but he lived in Titusville had a church in Titusville yeah, back in 1975 when we were growing up in Titusville but Greg never invited me and so some of your friends are going to say, what, Joaquin Molina? That guy's a world changer. Why didn't you ever invite me? Um, because they'll come down and meet the Lord in five years and ten years, and we're, we're, just, we're, we're moving with huge speed across the globe, making sure people know Jesus Christ. So don't be one of those people that don't invite your family and friends to come to the house of God. Make sure you make, if they don't come, that's their problem, but at least you invited them. And these people are trying to figure life out, and they're trying to determine uh, how they could get into the fish gate. Uh, the next one is the old gate, which talks about staying the course. Some people are only into the newest fads. So some of my friends told me, oh, that'll pass, Joaquin. When, when you, you're going to see that that little relationship you have with Jesus, it's, you know, when you get married, it, it'll never, no longer work. When you have kids, you won't need, when you get, become a lawyer, listen to me. It's not passing. It's here to stay. It's forever. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. And so we need to stay the course with stuff like the seeking the timeless truth. How many know that time, you can't change time? A lot of us want to, right? Plastic surgery, all these Botox, oh, come on, we got to beat time. We gotta, you're not fighting time, my friend. They started figuring out that the women that stretch their cheeks all the way back, then they have to stretch their elbows and then their shoulders and their hands. And they listen to me, become a grandma. We need grandmas. <laughs> a little wrinkly, cute, white-haired grandma. And, and some women are saying, no way, I'm Gloria Vanderbilt. I'm going all the way, 99. 
And I'm going to be a, a, a supermodel. Till, till, listen to me. Some things you're not going to change. And so some people want to fight timeless truth. Um, things that are never going to change. And you need to be one that say, God, you know something? I love eternity. One of the things that amazes me about God are the angels that sit at the sides of God. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know something? If we had some modern angels, some, we would say, hey, he's cool, my bro. What's up? How you doing? And they, they just want to corrupt and degenerate everything. They don't, they don't respect honor. They don't respect the house. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine that went to visit another church and, and he was saying how the people were coming to church like if they're hanging out in some inner city park like, hey, what's up? And you know, the honor and respect and the, the holy sacred things of God is one thing that, that I've always tried to maintain because um, we don't take a lot of things serious. We, we weren't taught to do that. So our customary stuff, we had a, a pastor in Mexico, Jose Medieros, and he went and shared with one of his friends. He got saved. He came to the church. So here they are a meeting and a gathering of people in church with the pastor, and this guy comes in, and he tells Jose, he says, hey, pelos. And he's like, pelos, yeah, yeah, you're a hairy man. You're very hairy. And this is totally disrespectful, uh, bringing the sanctity of, and the honor of the pastoral office to a commonplace scenario, uh, giving your pastor a nickname. Hey, what's up, Harry? Um, and, and not Pastor Mediero. So, so that guy uh, got an invitation very quick uh, to not come back because his disrespect was out of order at large levels. So try to embrace timeless truth. Um, uh, I was in a a gathering of pastors recently, and one of the pastors had earrings, and he had tattoos and all this stuff. He goes, what's wrong with my earrings, man? That's who I am. I said, look, you know something? I'm not going to get into who you are, but if I were you, see that man over there? He's 75 years old. He's a patriarch. He's an elder. Go ask him if what you're doing is appropriate so that you see that it's not about you, Shrek. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> You need, you need to be able to have an older man speak into your life and to say something, you know, pull your pants up and wear a belt. Tuck your shirt in. Start walking in the manner that's going to dignify you wherever you go. This gentleman that I met, Eric, in Orlando at the, at the resort center that where they had the convention, he has a big Batman, like the, the emblem of Batman right here on his neck. And they told him, you cannot work here unless you put makeup on that and cover it. So every morning he has to cover it. And he has a cross here he has to cover. And, and you know something? Some young men that have no fathers are doing a lot of things that is affecting their livelihood and their finances and their provision uh, without even knowing it. They're trampling these things. So they're seeking timeless truth. I want this church, our church, to be a church uh, according to restoring the gates of prevail, fixing the old gate. What is not, some people say, well, my dad doesn't care if I have earrings. Well, we're not talking about if he cares. What is his preference? You want to live according to bringing, what, what does your dad most want? Well, he'd prefer that I not. Okay, that's honor. And so we want to strive for those things that are timeless truths. The next one is the valley gate. We talked about it. Learn how to suffer and make it good. 
Do not be surprised when you enter into diverse trials of all colors and kinds. And we've learned with Clarita, our, our elder here, the, the spiritual mom of church, she says, Yo me río de los peces de colores. And what she's saying is, listen, all these trials that are coming in different colors and sizes, I'm just going to rejoice. I'm, I know that I'm going to be in the will of God. I'm going to be. And so you learn how to suffer and expect trials of all kinds. That's how you know a real Christian. They're like saying, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of the death, I fear no evil because God is with me. He will comfort me. He will supply whatever I'm going through. He's sufficient to refresh my life. And that is where we give the greatest testimony to the world. Because if everything in our lives was perfect and good and everything was, ah, they're like, no wonder you're happy. Everything's going right. But you know what's spectacular and shines bright like the noonday sun? When you're going through trials and you're full of joy. When you're going through problems and you got strength. When you're going through issues and your hope is in God who's faithful. So that uh, valley gate speaks on the being experts in difficulties and trials. Every time somebody comes up to me, pastor, you don't know. And they start describing their problems. I'm like, Psh, there's nothing. Let's talk about what happened that God saved. He healed. He delivered. He defended. That's why when David went out to the fight, Goliath, he says, you're no match for my God. You're no match for my God. You think you are. You're deceived. Today, your kingdom of terror is over. Because all the giants that rise up, we have our expertise is we introduce them to our giant. That giant, hey, come and get, get to know my giant. And when you do that, you are invincible. You are more than an overcomer. You have a victory upon victory. Um, this last gate for today, the refuse gate throwing out the trash. Some people like to keep trash. They like to preserve. And watch this. We need to ask God, God, could you show me that line between right and wrong so I could stand on God's side and be righteous? I want to stand on God's side. I don't care who determines to want to be in that state of, uh, it's called decomposition, things that fall apart. I will not be a part with the devil's work in this world. That means whatever is falling apart, whatever is lent over to leprosy and, and things that, that, that come to naught, I'm standing on the opposite side. I want to stand where God stands. I want to love what God loves. He says, if the love of God is not in your heart because you're loving the world and the things in the world. So we have to ask God, let's make a distinction. And some people don't want to make a distinction. I've been with people that are dressed like women and they're men and they're asking me, what's wrong with me? I'm like, you've lost something called morality. And they're like, what's that? It's the line between right and wrong. You are immoral. You're living like you don't care that you're doing something wrong. And not only you're living there, you don't want somebody like me to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. And so usually... Um, you need to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. And that's where God tells the man in Revelations, he says, I have one thing against you. Uh, you are lukewarm. I'd rather you hot or cold. But because you're sitting in a place 
where you don't think that it's right or wrong. I mean, some people are confused. You know, they're sitting in a place, and it's disgusting, and it's degenerate, and it's not healthy, and it's not conducive to the better cause and well-being of mankind, and they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, listen, we had something in our youth group as I was a youth pastor. I would say like this, draw a line between right and wrong, and then run a million miles this way towards right. So that if you fall and stumble, you don't stumble over into wrong. You're so far from the line that you, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna be in the devil's territory for him to take advantage of you. Because if you're living right on the line of morality, you're like, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not doing nothing. Just a little shove, a little push, a little lust will take you into destruction. And you'll begin to do things that you don't even know that are wrong. And so whenever you see the pastor go, oh my God, you know that, that you, you have, you have wet, you've gone over into, listen, I don't see things in their beginning stage. I'm, I'm like my dad who's a doctor. If he sees a little cancerous cell, he knows where that leads. And it leads to death. So he'll say, let's get that out of your life. So the pastor also thinks like that. And sometimes you say, well, what's the big deal? It's just a freckle. It's not just a freckle, my friend. That thing will kill you. That thing will destroy and disseminate your body. So the trash is distinguish the good from the bad. And when you've lost that ability, the church stops being the church. The Christian stops being the Christian. The husband stops being the husband. The family stops being the family. The community stops being the community. And the nation stops being the nation. We are so in dangerous times right now that our Christian Western Hemisphere American style Christianity is being so corrupted that people on the way down from Orlando yesterday, I stopped at a plaza and I saw normal American girls dressed in Muslim clothes. They are converting by the thousands. Why? Because they haven't seen Christianity. They don't know what Christianity is. Nobody's living a Christian life. So the only ones that are talking to them about being holy and separated and special and significant and faithful are the Muslims. So all these young girls are starting to convert over to Muslims. Why? Because the women in the Christian churches, oh, you're so fanatical. Oh, you're so religious. Oh, you're so legalistic. Oh, you're so... And we just watered down Christianity where it no longer means anything. Anybody could be a Christian nowadays. So the people are saying, you know something? I'm going to go and give my life and my cause to the Muslim faith. And that is because of one reason. Because there's no distinction between righteous and unrighteous. Clean and unclean. And so let's stand up this morning and we thank God for being in the house of God this morning. A big hand to the Lord. And say, God, thank you. For speaking to us in such a clear manner and, and giving us understanding in that regards. Uh, we are an anti-Shrek church. Okay? We're not, we're, we have no sheep that can't see where they're going, who are lost in caves and messing up their lives. Um, we, we want us to be distinguishable, serious Christians. Serious followers of Christ, worshipers of the Lord, faithful to his cause. Our kids will know their God. They will serve him passionately, courageously. Uh, they, will, they will do great exploits. 
And, and so we're in that direction. And if you want to be a, a serious Christian this morning, if you want to seriously walk with Christ and honor him, just lift one hand. And I want to pray for all of you and, and, and say, Lord, uh, thank you for being my loving shepherd. That's Psalm 23. God, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall never want anything. He leads me to green pastures beside still waters. He is, is, is leading me in the way of a great nourishment. There's a table prepared before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm not going to fear. Uh, his mercies shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not going to uh, be tempted to be a goat. I'm not interested in the goat life. I'm not interested in being a sheep gone wild. I want to be faithful to my shepherd, the chief shepherd. I want to be a blessing to my pastors and to the fold. Father, look at every hand that is raised in your presence in the house of God this morning. We give you thanks for the lives of all those that have a heart drawn towards you. We give you thanks for understanding this morning. We give you under thanks for the restoring of the church, the review of restoring the gates that prevail. We pray that you be glorified, that you be magnified, that our life please you in every direction with every thought, word, and action. We give you thanks for being our shepherd and safeguarding us from the wolves, oh God, and even from the wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. Father, we pray, Father God, that we would be a refuge, that we would be a safe haven, that we would be a spiritual house of spiritual nourishment to grow and be strong, to reach the lost, to preserve timeless truths, to suffer with understanding and praise and joy, to walk in a manner which we are removing ourselves from immorality, from unclean thoughts, from unclean desires, from those things that do not please you, O Lord. Wash us with the blood of Jesus. We give you thanks in the house of the Lord for this has been a great day of celebration. We give you thanks for renewal and restoring the house in our extreme makeover, fixing your house, Lord. We pray that you would be honored and glorified. Take care of our missionaries as they return on Tuesday, Lord. Bring them back safely. We pray for Jurgen and the medical teams that are doing the operations. We pray that they would be successful, that they would be faithful in completing that work which you have given them to do, O oh God, that there would be sufficient provision of all things, Lord, for your name to be greatly exalted in that nation, O oh God, that some people will be thank you, thankful to you forever for recovering their sight and receiving these uh, world-changing operations. We give you thanks in the beautiful and glorious name of Jesus, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet